1: on today's show.
0: If you fell asleep last night, you missed a Hornets win, but don't worry, we're going to tell you all about it.
1: Nada Edwards is here to help. Plus, Cody Zeller returns. We'll tell you how he played.
0: We talk more Hornets before 9 a.m. than most people do all day. You are Locked On Hornets. You are Locked On. Locked On. Locked On Hornets. Your daily Charlotte Hornets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team... Every day.
1: Welcome into Locked On Hornets, the best Charlotte Hornets news and analysis in your podcast feed every day whenever you need it. Today's episode is brought to you by our friends at SeatGeek, the easiest way to buy and sell tickets online. Use our promo code LOHORNETS on the free SeatGeek app and get $20 off your first purchase. I'm Doug Branson, joined by the man, the myth, the legend, David Walker. Another win, Doug? A victory! A W! and you can there take the go. nada out of the queen city but you can't take the queen city out of the nada nada edwards well well
2: again this was a nice little birthday present they dropped off in my my again in my lap
1: like, oh, happy win? birthday to you. Mm-hmm. Hey, Nada, first question since it's your birthday. How does the injury to Kevin Durant affect the chances of Steph Curry leaving the Warriors to join the Hornets? Your thoughts. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, I, got- I hate you so much right now. <laughs> I hate you Uh-oh. so much.
1: <laughs> we are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Head over to iTunes, search Locked On, and find podcast on the NBA, the NFL, golf, Fantasy Sports, it's the fastest growing podcast network in the world. Let's start in La La Land in Los Angeles, where the Hornets get a victory over the Lakers 109-104. Kimball Walker led the way for the Hornets, 30 points on 9 of 18, shooting 5 rebounds, 7 assists. Fantastic game for Captain Courageous, his second straight 30-point game. Uh, For those that fell asleep before 1 a.m., fellas, what are the big takeaways from this late-night game?
2: Well, I guess I'll kick this one off. Um, I like the fact that Kemba Walker still, again, after maybe a subpar January, that he's come back fairly strong in February, including a decent showing at the All-Star Game. But Kemba Walker coming back strong. Frank, um, Frank making a lot of people eat crow and that four picks thing may be going away the more he gets used to playing In the center position, the one thing that does bug me, though, is that there seem to be a lot of points in the paint given up. A lot. I mean, you had Julius Randle looking like the second coming of Charles Barkley last night. And we we all know he's not that good. That's the thing that bugs me the most, I think, going forward. You can't give up 28 and 13 to Julius Randle. You just can't. Yeah, 20, yeah 23 any... and
1: 18, but your point still stands. 18 rebounds, four offensive rebounds for Julius Randle. And I mentioned how hard he had worked in that Los Angeles game to uh, – in the Clippers game, I should say, uh, to get a body on a body. And, uh, you know, sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't when you're outmatched physically like Frank Kaminsky is. David, what did you think? Mm-hmm.
0: Well, guys, for the third night in a row, third game in a row, the Hornets are back to hitting some three-pointers. Um, they hit double-digit threes last night, shot above 40% again. Um, so, I mean, that's encouraging for me to see. They have not been hitting shots. I mean, during that losing streak, they just couldn't hit anything, and no one was able to convert uh, from long range. So that's a good sign for me. You know, this game was tighter than it probably needed to be, but we're trying to find things that it gets the Hornets back to playing some winning basketball, and they've got to be able to hit shots. Um, So for me, that was a good sign.
1: Yeah, 16 of 39 from beyond the arc. Just the the fact that they made 16 is good enough. But then the fact that they shoot 41% from beyond the arc, very good sign. And on a night when their their free throws weren't exactly on point, they shoot 70% from the line. But they do get the win, 109-104. And we're sort of burying the lead. The lead coming into this game was that Cody Zeller returned to action from his quad injury, gets 18 minutes. We're going to discuss this extensively in a few minutes, um, but that was a big factor in in this game as well. Just his, just his presence, I think, may have reinvigorated this team down the stretch, and he does close the game out, so that was a positive sign as well. Not so positive sign was the performance of Nick Batum, Two of thirteen oh, from Lord. the field, one of nine from beyond the arc. Five points. Does grab seven boards and four assist, but uh, nada. Not, not what you want to see from Nick Batum.
2: No, and and if we're gonna and if there's gonna be somebody on Twitter at some point talking about what about that final play? He managed to make the final play. A final play where his closeout was extremely lazy. And unfortunately and no, fortunately for his wingspan, he happened to get get the ball in, in a spot where he could he could deflect it. I'm not even really calling that a block. I'm calling it a deflection.
1: It was a block. Oh, <laughs> No, it's it was, a deflection. Your your All point right. is your point is valid though because he only has to get the block. It was a sort of a a basket saving block. It would have given them a little bit of momentum, allowed them to get back into the game. He blocks Clarkson, but the only reason he had to do that because the he fe- out was that well, bad. he fell asleep and got backdoored by Clarkson. It's it's like the guys. It's like the guy who stops a robbery in progress while playing hooky from work. It's like great job fighting crime, but maybe just go to work and let the police do their job. You know, if you if you're just paying attention on defense, you don't have to make that game saving block. Um, but you just it, it,
2: killed every superhero yeah. movie ever. You know that, right, Doug?
1: <laughs> well, I hate superhero movies, so that that works.
0: What the heck is going on,
1: Doug? <laughs> I hate them now. I was fine with them previous. I was fine with the first seventeen. It's the it's the last seventeen that have really started to wear on me. <laughs> I mean, uh-huh, there's just geez. so many of them. I can't. Although I did like Guardians, if that saves me at all, I did yeah, enjoy.
2: It does. it does. It really. It does. was. A, it was yeah. irreverent. It's it was a good different.
1: Minute. But I just can't. I just can't anymore. It's too exhausting. I can't yeah, even like, see all of the yeah. Best Picture nominees, much less the 19 superhero movies. Oh, my God. What, one, wow. one, yeah. more, uh, one
2: more observation, though. Do it. While Brian Roberts it, did okay last night, yeah. Briante Weber's got to start getting minutes.
1: Okay. And uh,
2: this is one of those things where you can't burn two, two, two 10 days on him. While you're trying to figure this out, you have to give yeah. Beyonce Weber, yeah, and that's that's the scary part. You have to find a way to get Beyonce Weber some minutes because Brian Roberts is going to be Brian Roberts and going to be mediocre at best, and that's what he was that's last that. night, mediocre. But you, know you got to give yeah. Weber minutes. You have to.
0: And it was what's funny about that Weber signing. I believe I saw when the when the Warriors picked him up that there was like a lot of clamor, like oh, those Warriors always getting the best players. <laughs> Not quite the same reaction that I've seen to to the Hornets picking him up, but and he actually got some run like in some of those late games. Now the Warriors situations are admittedly different uh, night to night than the Hornets are, but I agree with you. I mean, he he's got to do something. They pass up on Jennings, and you can. Have an opinion on whether or not you know he would have fit here or been a a a piece they could have added, but I I just think they have to look. Yeah, that's what I thought too. Um, But but the main thing is Brian Roberts. I mean, not to kill the guy, but look, he was a third uh, point guard in this rotation for a reason. He's there because he knows the system and he's a solid veteran. But they've got to get. A little more production out of that spot, especially with sessions
1: out. And the pro- the problem is last night because of Nick Batum shooting from the field, two of thirteen. They needed an impact player off the bench, and Jeremy Lamb was was one of four. Uh, Brian Roberts only taking two attempts. They needed someone to be an impact player, uh, and maybe on defense as well. Getting a couple of turnovers uh, could you know in that second unit could have turned things around and got gotten a little bit of more momentum. I mean, this game was far too close. Than it needed to be. Hey guys, here's another observation. Buying tickets online for sports and concerts, it's been a confusing, difficult process for a long time. It's always been hard to find the best deals for that game or that show you want to go to. And the problem is, none of those older ticket sites want to do anything about it. But SeatGeek is different. They've come along and created an amazing app and a website that makes it easier than ever for fans to buy and sell tickets. It's easy with this free SeatGeek app. It's the only app I use on my phone. It's concert season is coming up. I'm, I'm scouring, trying to find good deals on these concerts that, that, that are coming up, including Train. I'm still on the fence about it. I I, I don't know if I just want to kill all my previous uh, you know feelings about Train, but I'm still on the fence, but I'm still looking, and I'm using... Uh, the SeatGeek app. Here's the best part our listeners get a $20 rebate off their first purchase. $20. To get your $20 rebate on tickets, download the SeatGeek app, go to the settings tab, and click add a promo code. Enter promo code LO Hornets. That's L O Hornets. SeatGeek will send you $20 after you've made your first purchase. Download the SeatGeek app today and enter promo code L O Hornets. All right, back to this game, guys. We got a tweet here on Nick Batum from Kevin. Kevin tweeting us and saying, "I'm not sure why they are starting Nick Batum over Jeremy Lamb anymore. Do you have no. some? Do you have some thoughts? No, 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 no. Bring in the heat, Kevin. Kevin with heater,
2: high heat. The, the, that's the, come on now. That's that's one of those Rick Vaughn to like back, the backstop type of throws. Come on now, we can't do that. I understand yeah, but, that Nick Batum is like it's you still got to look at the on-off splits when when it comes to Nick Batum and Kemba Walker. Um, once you start looking at that, that's still, that still answers any question you may have and I like Jeremy Lamb. I still think he can be something in this league though time is ticking but as long as you look at those on-off splits with Kemba and Nick Batum, it, it, that answers your question right there. As soon as, as that's that's where it starts, that's where it stops. Nick Batum, you have to play, and unfortunately, I think the book is now out on him in Charlotte that he's become Hito Turkoglu 2.0. If his shot's not falling, he's going to look to distribute. The defense isn't going to be what it was rumored to be in Portland anymore, and unfortunately, this is who he is, But um, but he's still a productive player, you just wish he was more aggressive. That's the big thing,
1: David. This was just a yeah, weird. This I, was just a weird performance because it, you know against the Clippers, it could be described as unconscious, and in this game, yeah. he was very, very conscious. Uh, missed those two straight wide open threes at the end of the third quarter. He was two of thirteen overall uh, in that third quarter, and then for the game, what what happened in this game?
0: I don't know. I mean, not a hit on a little bit, just some inconsistencies with Nick. But, you know, what's weird about this game especially is that he didn't quite chip in in all the areas that he usually does. I mean, he did, but it's only four assists. He did grab seven boards. I mean, I think that's the big difference, especially between Nick Batum and Lamb. Like, Lamb's not going to give you hardly anything else besides the scoring uh, Nick can give you the score and he can have a night like he did against the Clippers and usually he is going to uh, you know contribute in other areas creating and, and grabbing some boards so, I mean that's the big difference I think the the defense and just the overall um, concentration I guess is the most frustrating part because you're talking about some of these closeouts you're talking about uh, you know some of the decisions are, are questionable at best um, sometimes but I think is right. I mean, I was thinking the same thing. That's kind of who he is right now. Um, they can certainly drill down on some things, I guess, you know, uh, post-game film and stuff. But, I mean, he's been playing basketball for so long now. Um, you're not really going to change him at this point. And, and I don't think they, like we said at the beginning, of the season, they're not trying to change him. I mean, they want all that stuff from Nick. They just need him to lock in a little bit more. You know, maybe they can change from that standpoint, but I don't know.
1: So the, the Hornets needed a victory. They, I mean, they could not yeah, drop that, this yes. game, and, and they got yes. one 109-104, but it was a lot closer, and I thought the Hornets really struggled to finish defensive possessions. They they got some blocks, they got some deflections, but they just couldn't get the ball. They just looked a, a, a half-step sluggish in, in terms of both defense and then just scrambling for loose balls, except for Cody Zeller thought he did a good job hustling around. MKG is always going to give you that level of en- energy, and then Kimba Walker, I mean, just consistent fourth-quarter heroics. He hits the step back on uh, on Julius Randle when he gets the, the switch, and then um, Kimba, he gave it up under the basket on the next possession and then got open in the corner, knocks down the three, and then driving the lane, fighting through contact, finds Marvin in the three for another corner splash. Just, you know, he's just he's just taking the team. When he sees Nick Batum not shooting the ball well, uh, he just puts the team on his back. It's it's really amazing to watch and an and asset for this Hornets team.
2: The one big thing is his floor game. It's not just scoring anymore. Yeah. Finding Marvin in yeah. the corner was such a beautiful play. Like, the floor game overall has gotten a lot better. And I don't know if it's necessarily due to Frank now spacing the floor even more. And that's one thing that, I, I, again, we'll get further into that later. But Frank's emergence has helped Kemba out a lot in terms of scoring load. But just the, in, ter, in terms of just overall floor game, Kemba's back to that pre-January level where it's like, oh, yeah, now I see why you were the all-star. You were named to the all-star game. It's not one of those slumping January dog days of the NBA type situations anymore with him. The fact that he just closed it out and, and he made D'Angelo Russell look foolish in, in time, especially in those middle two quarters, I, I I think he's back. And I think that's the reason, like, it, when everybody talks about tanking, Kemba Walker's not going to let them tank. They're going to finish with 30-plus right. wins. And that's going to be the reason that this team is going to finish somewhere probably better than where they were two years ago. Like thirty eight, thirty nine wins, but not a playoff. That's not necessarily a playoff run.
1: Uh, D- David and Nada, I think people are listening to this podcast right now and going, "Wait a minute! You're you're sixteen minutes into this podcast. You've already done your your advertisement read, and you you have yet to mention the fact." that Frank Kaminsky had 24 points and 12 rebounds. Frankie baby! Frankie baby! I mean, these performances now becoming consistent, that he's become a scoring threat that this Hornets team can count on. Yes, there were defensive issues against Julius Randle, but David, we always talk about it. There there might be defensive issues with Frank Kaminsky for the rest of his career, but if he's going to knock down three-point shots, if he's going to drive the lane aggressively and get you 24 and 12 you're 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 gonna live with that
0: oh my god yes especially the rebounds the 12 rebounds and that's something we've been highlighting all year they needed some more production from him there but certainly the scoring is the main thing they're looking for you're right uh he's going to get beat um by by younger more athletic stronger guys even so you, if you want Frank to be out there and contributing it's going to be from the scoring end of the game I think and so this stuff is starting to become I mean a bit of a trend I, I think I mean they have to hope that and not hit it on the head with Kemba. I mean, he's been unbelievable. That's something we were looking for yesterday was for him as a super as a star to come out and outshine, you know, some of these younger Laker uh, players with with talent and just take over the game. And he did at times. And if if Frank can be that guy, it's gonna be interesting now with Cody back, right? Like yes. can he keep that going? Can he you know mentally prepare himself the same way. I I mean Doug, you asked no sight is is Cody going to come off the bench? I don't All think right, well so. let's hold let's let's
1: hold that question because we're going to get to that, I promise. But let's yeah. tr- let's yeah. let's use this to to transition and talk about Cody Zeller's return because it was Cody Zeller's absence that allowed Frank to get these starter minutes that have really sparked him and led to his increase in production, but Zeller does return. From a quad injury that has kept him out for weeks, but he returns off the bench and with limited minutes. Uh, how not a? How did you? What, what was your take on Zeller's play? How did he look out there?
2: He looked like Cody. The thing is, though, he's Cody's become so unreliable to me in terms of health that you can't. That it's like I want to believe, but I know that at some point you're going to miss some more time. I don't know if it's 10 games. I don't know if it's 15 games. It could be as, it could be as few as three or four, but we know unfortunately that he's become, I don't know, like the big man version of MKG when he's out there, they win when he's not out there, they lose. Yeah, And I can't rely on you health wise. Now MKG has managed to change that up, but I think it might just be Cody's turn in a lot, where the wear and tear and the rigors of an eighteen eighty-two game season has just taken over now at this point.
1: Well, the Hornets, yeah, the Hornets certainly hope he can stay healthy. He was three of six from the field, did miss all four of his free throw attempts. You could probably chalk that up to a little bit of rust, but he did. I think the important part was he did play the fourth quarter because Steve Clifford said pre-game that they were going to let Zeller basically tell them, "Hey, I, if if I, you know." Tell us if you can't go, then then we're going to take you back out, there, th- David. They were much more careful this time around getting Zeller back into the game. You remember that one game that he played yeah. previously? They just threw him in there, said, and that was a different time yeah. in the season when it was kind of teeter tottering. You know, they were they were sort of at the beginning of that uh, downslope, and they were trying to stop the bleeding, and they threw Zeller back out there, and then he re aggravated that injury. This time, they were yeah. a lot more careful.
0: And that's the biggest takeaway for me, that it didn't get hurt again, that he was able to finish the game. <laughs> yes. I mean, honestly, I mean, you think they're going to be more careful with him this time around knowing how important he is to them. So that was good. And he looked fine. Yeah, he looked like Cody to me. You know, said, screens and dive into the basket. So that's encouraging. I mean, they, they're, they're better with him. On the floor. Well, here's and here to to that that
1: point. To that point, David. He so he only gets 18 minutes, and we knew that he was going to get limited run. But check out the number of minutes for the rest of the bench. So Jeremy Lamb gets 19 minutes. Brian Roberts gets 14 minutes. Marco gets 22. Now think back to the previous two games coming out of the break when you were seeing guys get 7, 8, 10 minutes and guys like Kimball Walker were getting 40. He only plays 34 in this one. Frank plays 35. Marvin plays 33. MKG plays 26. This goes to show you that when Cody Zeller is on the floor, Steve Clifford feels much more comfortable playing some of these other wings because you know you have Cody Zeller behind them on defense, so that's where the impact comes. And if Cody Zeller does make his way back into the starting lineup, I think he's going to feel a lot more comfortable playing Frank Kaminsky with some of these bench players as well. But as you brought up earlier, David, is there a possibility that Cody Zeller stays with the bench and they and they leave Kaminsky at center, not wanting to mess with a good thing? Uh, uh, Nada. What do you think?
2: I, I I think you have to leave Cody for two reasons. First things first.
1: Leave Cody on the if bench you, or, or put him yeah, into leave the starting co- room. Yeah,
2: you have to leave Cody on the bench right now because the the primary thing with Cody Zeller is that you want to keep any chance of injury low and light, mm. especially going into the fact that he is getting extension in the next year. You can always figure out what's gonna happen with Cody and Frank at the same time. But With Cody having these injury issues, maybe it's best right now to wean him back into the starting rotation. More importantly, as you said, we had Marco Bellinelli get 22 minutes. We haven't seen Marco Bellinelli get 22 minutes in a long, Mm -hmm. long time. Brian Roberts, like we said, was passable for last night. That's got a lot to do with the fact that most likely that you could, again, Cody's there to mitigate whatever defensive disasters he may be able to cause. Uh, Jeremy lamb again one of his best aspects is is rebounding he helps Cody out on the boards but as far as long as you have someone there to be defensively passable as long as there's someone there that can up the defensive level up the effort level allow people to work off screens work a high screen role with Marco work a high screener role probably with Jeremy lamb as, and maybe and hopefully my hope is that when you wrote when you throw in briyonnte Weber at least at some point in this roster because in the next 20 days because we know he's getting a second 10 day, I'm just hoping that at some point it, again, the way that this team is going right now, I would prefer to see Cody go forward as the first big off the bench because I don't think you can mess with Frank's confidence. And the way that he's going, you got to roll with the hot hand, especially if him and Kemba are going to be the only two guys that you can rely on night in and night out right now to score.
1: And David, that's the big question. So Nada says, hold off on Cody Zeller for now as he gets healthy, but I'll challenge you, once Cody Zeller does return to health, do you insert him into the starting lineup and send Frank Kaminsky back to the bench?
0: Yeah, that confidence thing is the thing is really the touchy subject because you don't want to mess with Frank at this point because he's starting to give you something. But I do think as long as Cody is, as long as they're monitoring his minutes, um, I could see him still coming off the bench. But I, I just think once he's back to full strength, they're going to put him in there as a starter because of the you know what they missed with him um, and what they've missed since he's been out. So maybe once they get back from this road trip, you know who knows how long it'll take him to ramp back up, but. Um, that's the delicate balance, right? The Frank community confidence. I just don't think you can mess with what's been so successful for the team over the long run um, just to get Frank going. And you got to hope that he can, like I said, mentally prepare himself to play in a different role with similar minutes. I mean, let's be honest, like the minutes, uh, you know, didn't change a ton. It was just a lot of that starting position uh, was a switch for him. So I thought he does look, I think he does look more confident and more aggressive as a starter but maybe, like I said, he can take some of that into a into a bench role that he didn't have before. But that's going to be, you know, there's no shortage of storyline. This seems crazy to think that they would bring Cody off the bench after we've gone the last two months saying just how important he is, um, you know, to their play. But that'll be something for Clifford to figure out. I just I think he'll be a starter once he's healthy.
1: And the last thing that I'll say is I want to go back to something Nada said: the relationship that's developing between Frank Kaminsky and Kimball Walker in the pick and pop and the pick and roll. They're getting Frank involved rolling to the rim more early so that they can open him up from beyond the arc later in the game. I think that's really important. And it's like, what happens when you send Frank down to play with Brian Roberts or even Briante Mm -hmm. Weber? What happens to his offensive production at that point? I think a lot of tough questions for Steve Clifford as they move forward and Cody Zeller gets back to being healthy. I'll give the last word to Dwayne here on email 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 emailed us, buzzbuzz at LockedOnHornets.com. Hornets starting to look and play like the Hornets again with Cody back in the lineup. Those loose ball hustle plays in the fourth quarter were key, extra possessions, so huge. Thanks for the email, Dwayne. And yes, the Hornets looked more Hornetsy in in that game, and, and hopefully they can carry that into the next one as they continue on this road trip and try their quest to get back to 500 as they sit currently in still in 11th, In the Eastern Conference at 26 and 34, but both the Heat and the Bucks lost last night, so they they climb one game closer to both of those teams. One game back of the Heat and the Bucks, and then three games back, three and a half really, because the Pistons own the tiebreaker. So three and a half games out of that Eastern Conference, uh, that final Eastern Conference playoff spot. Okay, as we uh we're gonna we're gonna go to this interview that we did last night on Locked On Hornets Live. We talked to senior NBA writer for ESPN Chris Herring on Kimball Walker's profici- proficiency at shooting over defense. And we know defenses are focusing on Kimball Walker right now, but he's still able to shoot that long ball very well. Five of nine from the field last night. You can find this and other clips from a spectacular live show last night. Only on YouTube.com forward slash Locked On Hornets. Uh, just real quick, though. Thank you so much, Nada, for joining us. Happy birthday! We did you eat cake? Did you have cake on your birthday?
2: I wish I could say that. I got to make up for it today.
1: Well, listen when you when you visit Charlotte, we're, I'm going to have uh, producer Katie make you a sun drop cake. It is amazing, Ooh, and we're going to well, have some bojangles. I have i have waiting on you right now. <laughs> um, <laughs> Silence. Silence. I hate you right now. (laughs) Perfect.
2: Steph Curry, uh, but I do miss Sundrop. I'm not going to lie. I do miss Sundrop. I miss Sundrop and Sheer Wine so, so much.
1: The Sundrop cake, it it actually tastes like Sundrop. It is Sundrop for those, uh, for our Australian friends, and for those that are listening in other places. Sundrop, delicious uh, lemon lime soda. But anyway, better than Mountain Dew. (laughs) No, it's way it's way better than way better than Mountain Dew. Yeah, absolutely. All right, uh, shoot us your Hornets questions and thoughts to buzzbuzz at LockedOnHornets.com and we're back again tomorrow with much more coverage, the best coverage of the Hornets anywhere. All right, let's uh, let's kick it to Chris Herring from ESPN on Kimball Walker's shooting. so Chris, there is a debate that we see on NBA Twitter and among NBA intelligentsia all the time about the effectiveness of defense on jump shots, and you recently looked into uh, Kimball Walker's ability to shoot over defense. Uh, what do you see in those numbers? Do the shooting numbers back up the argument that maybe defense isn't as significant a factor on jump shooters as, as some would think?
0: Well,
3: I'll, I'll be clear in saying I didn't do like a league-wide uh, exhaustive sort of study here. I was looking just at Kimba because his numbers sure. are so interesting. Um, you look at him, and he shoots 45% when uh, there's no one within six feet of him. But then he also shoots in the high 44s, I think, when there are guys within two feet of him. And so that would obviously suggest that – the level of defense kind of doesn't matter with someone like him, which is a pretty crazy thought. Um, So when you look more closely at it, and I I sat and watched film of every single three that he made while he was blanketed. And there's kind of a a little bit of a caveat with that. Um, The reason I think that he's able to shoot that well is because there's still no one in his face when guys are within two feet of him. It normally happens when he's coming off a screen and he is able to kind of um, almost, uh, sprint his way past Cody Zeller or Marvin Williams or whoever the the screening for him. And he beats his man to that spot. Um, and the other guy is kind of caught up in the screen. And so when that player is trying to get back into the play, he's op- he's often trailing Kemba. And so Kemba has a clear look at the basket for about a split second. And it seems like that's really all he's needed to be able to-, to free himself up to get an open shot. So because of that, no one's hand is in his face. And so it's an open shot even if someone is standing closer to him, which I thought to be really interesting.
1: Yeah, it is interesting, Chris, and, and I, I watched uh, some tape as well, and I, I watched the tape that uh, you provided on your article, and I wonder if, you know, as complex as pick-and-roll offenses are becoming, if sort of going under the screen being bad on a shooter and over the screen being good may be too simplistic of, uh, of an explanation or, uh, or analysis of, of someone's pick-and-roll defense. What do you think about that?
3: Well, yeah. I mean, obviously, you can you can try to send... You can play different sorts of pick-and-roll coverage. I mean, part of the challenge here is that, um, you know, the man who is stepping up, the big man that's stepping up to guard him, is probably not stepping up closely enough to Kimba. Mm-hmm. And there's a reason for that, because obviously, if that man who's sitting the screen rolls, he can get an easy dunk if, if the big man is too focused on Kimba's jump shooting. And I don't know that Kimba has become that electric from outside yet to where you just want to give up open roll man to the, down the lane i mean i think you see that all the time with golden state that people sell out on steph curry's three point attempts and kevin durant's three point attempts and it's part of the reason that you see draymond's assist number so high is that um you know if you leave that roll man wide open it, it gives you too many options and so um but that yeah you obviously could could sell out a little bit more and have your big man guard Kemba more closely um so that there's not anyone trying to run back into the play to to take that responsibility to try to catch up with him. Um, So that's obviously one thing you could do. But uh, Kimba's jump shooting and his improved jump shooting, as I pointed out in the article, the help that he's been getting from a shooting coach there, um, it makes a world of difference in terms of how you have to go about guarding that team.
1: Do you think that this is a case of Kimba getting hot for a few seasons and, and that's why he's been able to shoot so well? Against tight defenses or, or do you think that he can sustain this? Do you think he can keep it up
3: Well I mean I, I didn't get into this in the article, but I think that um, you know I think Kimba's always been pretty decent at um, you know being able to shoot regardless of how much pressure he's under. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I mean by that is that his his shooting percentages probably haven't been that affected by how much defense he see, how many defenders he seeing. You think back to college he had the great step back jumper and still does. Um, and so he's, he's always kind of had ways to get himself more open than other players. But I do think that there's – I don't necessarily think this is just a fluke in terms of the shooting, and I did say that in the story, that um, because that might be a sort of sustainable thing that he's doing in terms of getting around the screen first and, and beating his man to a spot. Um, you know, I think Cody Zeller is a big part of that. And I looked at all those plays, and Cody Zeller was responsible for about half those screens that were set in, on those shots. So he's one of the best screen setters in the league. I think that's a part of it. But, um, you know, assuming that that is in place, assuming they still have the same sort of spacing in in place, um, I think he could probably do this for a while. It seems like he's improved as a shooter, and that doesn't seem like a fluke to him anymore. It seems like he's really found some tangible stuff to kind of hold on to long-term.
1: Chris, the Hornets play the Lakers tonight in Los Angeles. You did an article uh, with Kyle Wagner there on 538 about the Lakers' current situation. They've got a lot of young talent there, but there's questions about how many or if if any of these young players like Ingram or Julius Randle can really turn in to a star for years to come, uh, what do you think? I mean, is there one or two players uh, that we'll be talking about as star Los Angeles Lakers on the roster at present?
3: Uh, We we could. I don't know that it'll be because these guys develop into that. It could very well be that the Lakers go out and and get someone via free agency at some point. Um, you, you obviously saw the the rumors just even a day or two ago, uh, or a couple of days ago, with regards to the trade deadline. And the thought that Paul George is very interested in playing in LA if stuff doesn't work in Indiana. So it could be because of that. You know, it wouldn't shock anybody if at some point someone really just wants to play in LA. With Paul George, he's from California, so it could be that. Um, you know, I also think D'Angelo Russell uh, is still so young to where you can't really rule him out, he's had really nice moments. Um, He's had injury issues, and so you haven't really had a chance to see him put it all together. Um, Ingram, Brandon Ingram, has had kind of a rough year as a rookie. And so, you know, you have questions about that, but he's he's obviously really young, too. And so it it could be a case where you just get a guy are really, really solid, uh, but not necessarily stars. And that's not a bad thing to build off of either. But as you've seen, you know, the last few years in the NBA and throughout league history, you always need at least a star on your team to really – make you relevant and probably more than that if you want to be a contender. So um, if none of these guys pan out to be legitimate stars, they're still going to need a little bit more. But um, having a bunch of solid guys on the roster is not a bad plan either. So if that's all these guys amount to be, but you hit on three or four of those guys to be solid players or role players. It's really not a bad situation.
1: Last question, Chris, Uh, you've also recently written about the Toronto Raptors and uh, their efforts to prepare their roster to take on LeBron James and the Cleveland Cavaliers. Obviously the news about Kyle Lowry's uh, injury to his wrist is changing, may change those things. It seems like they want to get him back in time for the playoffs, but the East full of question marks. What's your assessment of the playoff picture as it stands today? Um,
3: you know, I, I think that that is a big hit for them uh, on a couple different levels. Um, they obviously brought in some reinforcements between P.J. Tucker and and Serge Ibaka, but you, you would hope before the injury you were thinking that this allows them to maybe stay in the top four, um, maybe to make a run at the two or the three seed. Um, and give them a little bit of an easier path come playoff time so that they're not on the road for that first round. So maybe they get a little bit of an easier opponent. Um, but Lowry not being there obviously changes a lot. Um, he's one of the best point guards in the league. You figure that he probably needs to to be there for them to really make that sort of push and also to give them the sort of rhythm that they'd like to have and the continuity they'd like to have going into the playoffs so that they're not uh, feeling like a new team with all these new additions that they've got. So, I, you know, I, I think that they're still in good position. I think those those moves that they made were probably the best ones in the Eastern Conference, if not the league, in terms of what they added at the trade deadline. But, yeah, you, you would like to see them play together a little bit more so that they could have a real shot at a team like Boston that's been playing together for a while now, or especially Cleveland that's played together for a while and is having their own injury problems. But, you know, the I, I feel like the Eastern Conference playoff race is not that intriguing. Uh, it's mostly those teams at the top, and can they find a way to challenge Cleveland in a year where the Cavs have looked very vulnerable because of injuries and because of LeBron's minutes.
1: Chris Herring, senior NBA writer for ESPN and 538. Make sure to check out his article on Kimball Walker. Much more in the article that we didn't get a chance to touch on. He's coming to us from practice in Oklahoma City, so we'll let you get back to it. Thanks so much for joining us, Chris.
3: Oh, Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it.
1: Like what you hear? Consider sharing this podcast with other Charlotte Hornets fans. The easiest way? Our new website, LockedOnHornets.com. There you can download the podcast, listen to our latest episodes, and check out Locked On Hornets live on Tuesdays at 6 p.m.